We try to play with great pace. We try to play with great pace. Ran a lot of pick and roll, pick and pop uh, type actions. Oh, you'll see us play. Some people look at the guy next to him and say, what the hell was that shot? Hell, I could have been Gronk before Gronk was Gronk. Welcome back to another episode of, of Bangerangs and Daggers. I'm your co-host out here in the Eastern Time Zone, uh, Washington, D.C., as always, Kevin Knight. And with us tonight is the three-man weave once again uh, with Patrick and Nate. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. It's good to be back. It's good to have Nate back on here from his, you know, banishment last year. Well, I'm glad that you guys let me come back on. <laughs> well, you are technically a founding a founding mem- member of this podcast, so we had to let you back on sooner or later. I know you guys are just the, the podcast is getting, you know, it's just expanding and expanding and I had nothing to do with it, so yeah, we still have the 123 listeners we did three years ago when we started this. Oh, it's okay. Are we sure it's that many? I have oh, no idea. It's, <laughs> it's a lot more than that. I know that. <laughs> I think we're in like the three or 400 range. Well, that's better than when it started. So, Yeah, I think it's we're in the testament. 20s. It, it's truly a testament to the, the potential of Fred Hoiberg's squad this year. There we go. We all came together for Fred. Most are we, definitely. Are we Fred heads or are we? Uh... When I put it up on Twitter for voting, it came through that the people wanted Fred heads over Hoybergs, Hoybergers. And there was one recommendation for Hoy boys, but I think that might be a little too controversial. And it kind of excludes the female fans of Fred. So huh? Fred heads it is. Very good. <laughs> so, guys, how's this year going to be? How's Nebraska ball going to be? That is a good question. And if anybody has the answer, then I think that they can win some serious money in Vegas. They should if, be better than last year, that's for but, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. This is probably on paper the best basketball team I think Nebraska's ever outfitted, um, just in terms of recruiting and talent and returning production. I, I I, I can't imagine these guys are, are not going to at least compete in the Big Ten, uh, especially considering it looks like the Big Ten might be a little down this year compared to last year, which was a, a boon of, of a year for the Big Ten. So, no, it, it should be a good situation for Fred Horiberg and his crew. Yeah, I mean, talk about the best year in terms of his tenure in Lincoln to have the best squad put together, at least on paper. Um, I mean, the Big Ten compared to the past two seasons, which I mean, it, obviously it, it goes without saying for the listeners, I'm sort of the the longtime Big Ten uh, basketball watcher here. I mean, the, the last two seasons. The yeah. term is Homer. Well, I mean, you know, I, I <laughs> obviously in the sense that the team that I am loyal to first has always been in the Big Ten since before I was born. But, you know, um, yeah, Homer's Homer's probably fair, but no, I mean the the past two seasons have just been an insane amount of talent in depth in the league, and this year it's just it's not going to be remotely close. No matter how good some of the top teams may turn out to be, the depth just is not likely to be there. And I mean, add to that, 
Uh, I, I think that we saw down the stretch last season, Hoiberg really started to show in some of the games like that, just dominating win over a decent Rutgers squad um, late in the year, his system's really starting to get implemented. And this season, he really has the talent and the pieces other than maybe a question mark at point guard, which is going to be important. But beyond that, I mean, we, we've got the highest rated recruit in the history of Nebraska in the modern recruiting era uh, for the asterisk there. But uh, I mean, it's a, it's a stacked squad in terms of what he's assembled and, and probably one of the better Husker squads in a very, very long time. I think anybody who doesn't expect that the Huskers can make some noise and finish in the, the top half of the league, if everything gels well, um, you know, I, I don't think that they're really being fair to what the potential is there. If they say that it could happen, but predict a, a more, um, you know, top of the bottom half or, or slightly further back then you know, I mean, maybe there's some, some fair skepticism given how the first two seasons have gone, but I mean, what, what do you guys think? I'm, I'm rambling on too much here and hogging the, the mic. No, I, w- I would agree. I, I think a lot of people are kind of looking at what Fred's done so far in Nebraska and there's not a whole lot to go off of, but if you look at the big 10 as a whole, it, it, it's going to be, I think, fairly top heavy this year. You've got teams like Minnesota Indian and Penn State breaking in new coaches. You've got Rutgers, who had a decent team the last two years, pretty much lose everybody. Um, you got Northwestern, who's not looking that great this year. Uh, you've got, let's see, Michigan State's rebuilding a little bit, right? But they're, they, they've got enough talent and they've got Izzo's coach, so they, they shouldn't be too big of a drop off, uh, honestly. Uh, the big boys are still Michigan, Ohio State. Purdue's probably going to have probably one of the better, probably best all around years, uh, just with the talent they have and the history they have with how they utilize their talent. Uh, they're very much a big, a stereotypical Big Ten team. Uh, Maryland should be fairly decent, but after that, I, I think it's kind of up for grabs. And Nebraska is definitely in a very good position to take full advantage. Um, you know, I'm not going to say they're they're going to win the conference this year at all. But they're definitely going to compete. I think they're going to pull off some upsets this year against some teams that they probably shouldn't. Well, you guys know so much more about the program and the Big Ten than I do. But what I'm going to be extremely interested in, because like I, I agree with everything you guys said about the talent level, the depth, and – because there have been, you know, I think in the past, Hoiberg has had a nine-player uh, nine rotation, eight, and then I guess the, his best team in, uh, at Iowa State has seven-player rotation generally. Mm-hmm. I am interested in, you know, how he distributes the minutes. And I think it's probably going to be a, I don't, I don't know, maybe a nine, maybe even a ten, right at the beginning of the year trying to figure things out. And then obviously, I think when conference play comes around, then obviously you start but you know buttoning things down, and so that's what I'm interested in. And like, how are you gonna? And, and you can't, and you won't, and you're, there, people are gonna transfer out. But you know, when you get the more talented players you get into a program, you know those are are players who are expecting to play. You know, unless you were up front with them in the beginning and say, hey, by the way. You know, we think that you need 
one or two more years, you know, of development. And so that's what I'm interested in. Uh, as far as wins and losses, I, I, I would expect, and I think we should expect that they should win more than seven games, you know, and I think that should be a low level basement expectation. And, uh, and, and in this era of college basketball and you could, you could, and college football is becoming more like that, you know, but I think basketball, the chemistry and the trust that matters more than it does in football, you know, and, uh, so the ability to build that chemistry and all that will be interesting to see. No, I, I would have to agree with you, Nate. And I think one thing you hit on the head is, you know, you might see eight or nine or even 10 guys deep playing this year, uh, you know, which kind of brings in perfectly t- tonight when we're recording this, Nebraska just got done beating the ever living heck out of uh, Peru State College, 97 to 58. Uh, Peru, you know, played out, came out of the gates pretty well, from my understanding. Uh, both teams were flat. The starters for Nebraska, getting to your point, Nate, were C.J. Wilcher, Bryce McGowans, Trey McGowans, Lat Mayan, and Derek Walker. Now, I'm going to ask you guys, how many of those guys ended the, the, the night on double with double-digit points? None well, of them. Was- <laughs> <laughs> None of them. Uh, leading scorer with 20 was Alonzo Verg Jr., uh, after him, it was, uh, well, actually, I'm sorry, Derek Walker, Derek Walker had 12 points. Um, and then you had Keon Edwards with 12 and then, uh, let's see, Eduardo Andre with 10, uh, Latin Mayan came in with nine. Um, but like the starters, neither of the McGowan guys, brothers, Trey had two points. Bryce had four, not a whole lot of production out of those guys yet. Um, so I, you know, it, until Fred kind of figures out the chemistry, like you hit on the head, um, I think we're going to be seeing probably a lot like this. Again, this is a first game. It was an exhibition, getting the cobwebs out. First time, you know, I think somebody mentioned today that any of these players had played in Pinnacle in front of fans outside of, I want to say, Walker? Webster. Or Webster. Kobe. Webster, Webster, who was uh, at Western Illinois. Correct, they came yeah. And played in 2018, um, which is kind of a big – thing but when you remember that Fred Hoiberg only brought in two guys back from that 2018 team one of them uh transferred and the other one uh graduated you know it's not terribly surprising but I you know I you're gonna see a lot of this rotation early on in the year I think until these guys kind of figure things out yeah I mean I think one thing to, to point out about that stat too is um that uh Trey McGowan did sit on the bench with fans he just didn't play because he was sitting out a year because of uh his transfer from Pitt um at you know back in the era when they actually made you sit out um which they've they've moved past uh not not to say that that's good or bad just merely making an observation that he was there right before that happened so he he was sitting on the bench so he was there with fans um so uh Webster is the only player who has been on the court during a game with fans filling up PVA. Um, but yeah, I mean, lo- looking at the stat sheet, we got nine guys who saw double digit minutes. Um, and then Eduardo Andre was the next highest with eight minutes and 30 seconds total on the game. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's a pretty wide rotation. 
but to be fair, it's also a, an exhibition against a, a small school. And that's the kind of thing where yeah. you just, you know, you're sending them out to get some playing time, get some tape on them, see what they can do, see how they work together, cool. you know, just flesh things out outside of a scrimmage, inner squad scrimmage for the first time on the year. Even even uh, Fred's son, Sammy, got two, two minutes in. He was 0 for 1, but he got an assist and a block. Did, yeah, you, I mean, guys, that, did, did you guys see uh, anyone on Twitter? Because obviously none of, neither, or none of us had a chance to actually watch the game because we don't have BTM+. Plus. But did you see how many fans might have showed up or anything like that? Or I saw a uh, few pictures of the band, but – it didn't look like a whole lot. It also doesn't help that uh, Nebraska volleyball is currently playing Wisconsin uh, over in Devaney Center. Yep. So that probably took a lot of people away. But I, I can't imagine for an exhibition there was a whole lot of people there. I, I will be honest, I haven't been on Twitter at all tonight. And the only thing I know about the game is I'm looking at the the box um, or the, the stat sheet here. Um but I, I can attest that the Breslin Center tonight was pretty empty. Uh, the student section was full, but I wouldn't peg it past 35, 40% total between the lower and upper bowl for the general populations. So if that's any indicator for people. Yeah. No. And I mean, they, they tipped off about the same time and uh, an hour ahead. So, yeah, hour further out of work for everybody. Well, yeah. as, as far as you know, things that I noticed that kind of pop out to me is I'm a big fan of Eduardo Andre. Uh, I, I feel like his ceiling is NBA level ceiling, but he definitely, definitely needs development. But he, you know, and, and again, it's an exhibition game, an exhibition game. And so it's hard to, and you really shouldn't read our, you know, anything into it. But the fact that, that and I'm going to probably butcher about Wolheim, Reidenbach, you know, that he Close played, <laughs> yeah, that he played, uh, you know, almost double them. Yeah. Um, not quite double the minutes, you know, and I guess, like we said, the, the man, he had a beautiful three pointer. He had a really beautiful three pointer at the beginning. So and well, three for he, three. Yeah. And if he can stretch the, the floor that, you know, Eduardo can do that. So, but. And, 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 and Wilhelm straight out of high school. Yes. I mean, he was, I'm very, he was actually and, you know, he, he wasn't a five-star, but he was a four-star, you know. Mm-hmm. Solid four-star. And I'm sorry, but, you know, he looked – I bet you, and I'm going to – I would probably put money on this, is that he is going to become the new fan favorite because two things. First is that he – from everything I've read, he plays really hard, uh, particularly in practice. The second thing is he looks like – a 40-year-old at a pickup <laughs> basketball game at the YMCA with his glasses and his uh, headband and his beard. And I know I and I'm excited to watch him play because uh, I think he could be fun to watch. No, that sounds about right. He I, I think you're right. I think he and maybe a couple other players just off the bench are going to be very, very popular. Uh, the other one I would probably say along those lines is I'm going to butcher this name too. Uh, guy from Japan, uh, Keisei Tomonaga. 
<laughs> yeah, I think that's about right. Kaisei Tomonaga. Kaisei Tomonaga. We'll, we'll figure it out by the third or fourth game, folks, I swear. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, he had 13 points. He was two for four uh, uh, from the field, you know, shooting field goals, uh, two for four, three points range. Uh, yeah, basically he hit two free, two three-pointers and did well. Uh, but he also probably a lot of you guys remember him watching the three on three tournaments going on tournaments, games, I should say, uh, during the Olympics this summer. Uh, the Japanese team made it. They made it only so far. I don't think they made a medal ground, but uh, he was fun to watch during that. And uh, he, he should he should pick up pretty quickly. And um, like I said, I, I think the fans will gravitate towards him, too. Hey, for, you know, for the. Listeners who didn't know, some of the uh, players, I believe, are calling uh, Tomonaga the uh, Steph Curry of Japan. The Japan, or it's a Japanese Steph Curry because he can just shoot from anywhere and he can get a shot off. So, that yeah, that's a good another nomination for future fan favorite. So, uh, yeah, it, I'd be surprised how much particularly in conference play, how much playing time he gets. Uh, Cause I guess we'll see if he can play defense or not. Cause that will probably be a determining factor. Doc won't let him sleep. Doc won't let him sleep. <laughs> what do you guys, what do you guys think? Uh, how do you guys think the conference is going to end up this year? That's a Kevin question. I'd say. That is a good question and uh, also a tough one. Um, I mean, in the sense that um, Iowa still will not know how to play defense, but they won't have a um, – oh, God, why am I – I'm trying to trash talk them and I'm blanking on his name, and it was actually a player that I liked. Um, their wing left for the NBA. Uh, oh, crap, anyway, I whatever. can't think of it. I can't think of his name either. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he he's gone, and uh, obviously Luca Garza is um, both to the NBA. Uh, Garza got drafted by the Pistons too, which was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I have to root for him now. Um, but no. So I I mean I was going to be down. Uh, they're not going to be out. Uh, they still got some talent, but they're they're down. Um, Illinois still has Kofi Coburn back, but I mean, one of his strengths was having all American point guard, Io Desunmu to dish in the ball. I mean, they were one of the best pick and roll uh, duos in the country last season. So he's gone. Were you think, um, oh, back to Iowa. Were you thinking of Joe Weiskamp? Yes. Thank you. Yeah. yeah I, I actually liked Weiskamp. Um, sure. he, he's gone. Uh, you already hit on the nail on the head, Minnesota, Penn state and, May maybe to a lesser degree, I, um, Indiana are all gonna be in rebuild mode this year. Uh, maybe Northwestern even more so, uh, because their best player Miller Cop left for, uh, I believe Indiana. Hilariously, um, let's see, Ohio State uh, probably gonna be a middling Big Ten without the expectations of being a top Big Ten team, um, like they've always seem to finish under uh chris holtman but with a lot of hype that never pans out uh maryland uh tough scrappy team without some of the talent that they had i mean it's just a 
delve into running down the list of teams. It, it's pretty much going to be Michigan and Purdue and everybody else. I, I feel like um, it will be interesting to see what Wisconsin's like uh, coming out of the locker room with all of their secret recordings and uh, not sticking up for, um, you know, basically assault her Brad Davison, who, who loves to, you know, give a little love tap to, to opponents sometimes um, and, mm-hmm. and is, has a history of being a dirty player. So no wonder refs officiate it as such. Um, no, I mean, I, I think that's uh, probably uh, enough of me on the, the big 10, right? Is that a good picture? But bunch of middle teams, uh, you know, those three teams that we already mentioned, Minnesota, Penn state, um, Northwestern, all bottom of the league, uh, Indiana clawing its way out of the, out of that maybe. And, uh, yeah. No, it sounds good. Uh, did you, uh, what are your thoughts on Maryland? Um, did you mentioned Maryland. So, yeah. So I, I, they're another team that I think has some talent, but really doesn't have anything that's going to get them out of, uh, I, I, I'm going to, uh, trademark this now the, the mushy middle. Um, I mean, I, they just, they lost, um, Ayala, I believe, um, who was their key guy last year. I'm pretty sure he left for the NBA. Um, no. Okay. No, he, he came back. Um, you're thinking of Aaron Wiggins. Yeah. Wiggins left. Um, Ayala came back. He was kind of their key guy. I think, frankly, um, yeah. He's a senior uh, this year. Yeah. So he, with him back, uh, maybe peg them more like a, a fifth place team. Maybe if uh, Turgeon doesn't coach games away uh, when it's on the line, because he's still a terrible in-game coach. Um, yeah, probably around there, fifth, sixth, seventh place, somewhere, somewhere in there. I think that for, for the right. Terps. Yeah, I would probably agree with you that like maybe the top two or three are probably going to be fairly solid. I'd throw Ohio State in there. I still think they're going to be contending for the top of the conference this year. But yeah, Mushy Middle is probably the best way to describe how the middle is going to be. But I, I, you know, for once, there will be a, bu- a bunch of bottom feeders. But I think eh, for once that Nebraska is not going to be in it. Um, I think they're going to fight somewhere in the middle for the, for the mushy mushiness of the conference. Um, I, I think if anything, uh, by the end of the season, the, the nice thing about Nebraska's schedule is that it is kind of front loaded in terms of the conference slate. Uh, they've got a bunch of tough teams at the beginning of the season, but the last 10 games, I want to say there's probably only maybe two or three that'll be losses. And the rest, I think if, if, if Nebraska plays up to where they should be, uh, they should end the year fairly well and have a good placement in the conference tournament that should put them in position for some sort of entry in the NCAA, hopefully. If not, um, they will probably make the, the NIT. Uh, you know, Again, there's going to be growing pains this year. I think people are going to forget that. And like Nate said at the beginning, uh, finding the gel, the rhythm, um, the flow of how this team's going to work, uh, it's going to take a few games. And it might take longer than we expect. So, I think they should be seven and zero going into the Big Ten ACC challenge. I mean, it's just a bunch of cupcakes, a bunch of losers. That actually was going to be my my question for you, uh, Nate. Before we wrapped up, um, I was going to try to squeeze in. You had said you think that they're going to get set more than seven wins. 
And I was going to ask more than seven wins in conference play or on the season total. So well, I, I feel like that answers it. More than seven wins in conference, right? Yeah. Uh, um, that's a good question. I just know I was, I'm just throwing shade at Creighton. So I was just uh, – Creighton's yeah. going to be down a little bit this year. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, you know, they're, so, they're, we, they're still a good team, but they're not going to be like they were last year. Yeah, well, they're not ranked in the coaches' preseason poll. That's for sure. They got seven votes, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, they they were towards the bottom of those receiving votes. Yeah, but at least Take they received that, Blue something. Jays. I think they're projected to for eighth in the Big East this year. Oh, so that 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 takes them down quite a few notches from the last couple of years they've been. So. Um, but you know yeah. what? Uh, NC State should be decent. Uh, they got to play Auburn in one of those hoop classics. Um, Auburn should be a good team. It's Bruce Pearl, whether you like him or not. Uh, he is a good coach. You know, but outside of that, most of those games are fairly winnable. So, How many points do they beat Kansas State by? Because obviously that one's not going to be a loss. Oh, Hopefully not. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to give him 15 on Kansas State. I'll probably eat my words, but yeah. <laughs> well, I think it should be a fun season. I mean, I think yeah. we should have. I wait, wait, wait. Before we move on from Kansas State, okay. though, I, I also have to add over under on Kansas State starting a brawl uh, uh, if um, somebody, you know, drop mouse off and, and makes jokes about uh, Kansas being a better program. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to do the under on that. Nobody in Nebraska, <laughs> nobody in Nebraska cares. <laughs> yeah, so it's, for anybody who doesn't get the reference, um, for our listeners, Kansas and Kansas State got into a brawl during their game two, going on two seasons ago, I believe it was. Yeah, it, sure it there was were still fans 2019. There. Yeah, so, so that that's obviously what I'm making light of, uh, like I like to do with um, my – unique pointed references <laughs> good job <laughs> all right guys i gotta get going um Sounds thanks good. for everybody thanks for coming on board uh thanks for everybody listening is there anything else you guys want to talk about i'm good um right. i hope nebraska creams michigan this year for a change because it's long past due heck yeah down with Juwan right. howard most definitely (laughs) all right thanks for listening we love you (laughs) bye